Okay, second calibration. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of this beautiful day. We thank you for the opportunity to come together as believers in Christ, one in the spirit. I thank you for the worship this morning that has been rich. I thank you for the words that we've sung and the words that Bill has spoken, Lord, that interweave with the message this morning. I pray that the Holy Spirit this morning would blow across our dry hearts and souls as this gentle breeze from across the water. Lord, refresh us today in your presence as we concentrate on what you've spoken to us, what you've called us to. Speak to us, Lord Jesus, through your spirit. I pray that you would be glorified in it, in your name. Amen. Pray that these papers don't blow away because I'll be in trouble. <laughs> this morning, I want to pick up a little bit on the last message that I shared with you on the light of the world and living in the light. Perhaps you'll remember the three key points from that message from John's gospel. First, that believing leads to life. Believing leads to life. And secondly, that life brings light. And thirdly, that life precedes light. Christ is the light of the world and in him is life. John 1, 4 through 5, as we looked at last time, in him was life and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. So Christ is our life and his life brings light into our lives. His light shines into the darkness of our hearts and our souls with the purpose of dispelling the darkness. And with this understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit within the lives of we who believe, there's that word that permeates the Gospel of John, believe in Jesus. Consider this question. What fellowship does light have with darkness? 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18 poses the question this way. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? That's a word that means worthlessness or wicked. It's a name for Satan. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Now you and I, as believers in Christ, we know both intellectually in our minds and experientially in our hearts that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. No man or woman comes to into relationship with the one true God except through Jesus Christ. Christ is the true light. Now, how did we come to possess this knowledge and understanding? Why are we so special? 
Well, Jesus tells us where this knowledge come from, comes from in Matthew 16, 13 through 17. It's got nothing to do with how special we are. He was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others, Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Only God reveals God. This morning, I can speak forth the word of God, but only when he speaks by his spirit is life exchanged among us. That's why we pray in humility that God would use our lips and our lives to speak his word and breathe life into others by the Holy Spirit. Because unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early and to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors. For he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Psalm 127, 1 through 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. <coughs> Philippians 2, 12 through 13. We are vessels of dust containing the glory of the Most High. Oh, but what God can do with dust. Consider this thought. Do you know the living God today? Do you know of him or do you know him? If you know him, we should be in a constant state of amazement, of wonder, fulfillment. Don't take this knowledge for granted. For millions of people and hundreds perhaps around us even here walk around the world today who do not know him. And they have no inclination that he exists, much less that he's near them. If God does nothing else for us for the rest of our lives, can we take great pleasure and humble joy in this one thing, that because of his grace and mercy, we know that he is God. It's a miraculous thing to understand and know who God is in Christ. When he reveals himself and he says, I am, believing is responding by saying, yes, Lord, you are. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. And it's all about Jesus. He's the first and last, the author and the finisher, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the light of the world, the living water, the bread of life. He's the branch, the chief shepherd, the cornerstone, the morning star, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. Mighty God, Redeemer, Savior, Man of Sorrows, Messiah, the Deliverer. He's the door, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's the heir of all things. He's the Holy One, the Redeemer, the Master, the High Priest, the King of the Jews. He's Emmanuel, God with us. 
He's the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. He's the true light, our advocate with the Father, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He is the Word of God. And He is all of this and more. And He alone is worthy of our praise, our service, our affections, and our love. Because of Christ, we no longer walk in darkness, but we are children of light. So how do we encourage one another to be children of light and to walk in the light of Christ? We do it through worship. We do it through fellowship. We do it through prayer. We do it through the word of God. So let's look for illumination and edification this morning from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 17, which says, Be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks." For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord." Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. <clears throat> Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God is our father and we are his beloved children. Ponder that. There's one other reference in addition to this one in the New Testament to the phrase, beloved children. It's in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4, 14, where Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about what it means to be a servant of Christ. And indeed, if anyone can deliver this message, it's Paul. It's interesting to me that in this passage, Paul is also exhorting believers to be imitators of God and in godliness as he did in the letter to the church at Ephesus. So I hope you'll indulge me as I read chapter four, verses one to 16, because it's so rich in what it means to walk in the light of Christ. There's a price for discipleship. The scripture says, let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. 
But to me, it's a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time. But wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes, so that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written, so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one another or against the other. For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already filled. You have already become rich. You've become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become kings so that we also might reign with you. This is a very interesting part of what Paul says. For I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to death. Because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and are poorly clothed and are roughly treated and are homeless. And we toil, working with our own hands. When we're reviled, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. There's that phrase. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me. Paul suffered much in his service of Christ and of the church. He earned the title of father to many in the early church. Perhaps you know someone whose service to the Lord so inspired you in your own faith and walk that you considered them a father in the faith. J.L. Williams was such a servant and father figure to me. Preston, Greg, Bill, they too are father figures within our fellowship because of their service. It's interesting to me that after this roll call of difficulties that his life had encountered, Paul would then exhort the church, be imitators of me. Join in on this hardship. Be a part of this. Paul said, we are fools for Christ. So be it. Be imitators of me. It's the example of Jesus. In order to live in Christ, we must die to self. We must take up the cross daily and choose death to our will in order to live in his. You've heard me quote this many times, but it's one of my favorite sayings, and it, I think it bears repeating. I have a heart that I cannot change. I have a will that God will not change. But if I will change my will, 
God will change my heart. This is walking in the light of Christ. We are fools for Christ, but as martyred missionary Jim Elliott famously said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In Ephesians 5, it, again, it said, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. This seems to me to be a just summation of the Christian life. God has revealed himself to us and called us to walk in a manner worthy of his calling of us, to live in a way that promotes righteousness, justice, and godliness, a life that confronts evil and calls out iniquity and sin, that God might have the opportunity to change the life of the sinner who would repent and turn. The times of refreshing would come from his presence. I love the verse in Acts 3.19 that says, Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Be imitators of God by being imitators of those who imitate God. In other words, pursue righteousness and godliness as exemplified by those who are in service to God who are in service to God and to others have laid down their lives in obedience and sacrifice. Be careful who we emulate, who we imitate. We have the perfect example, of course, in Christ himself. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 21 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What's the effect of a life of offering and sacrifice? We become a fragrant aroma to God. Can you imagine? Oh, God, to think I smell good. Paul goes on in Ephesians 5 to talk about putting aside the former life of darkness in order to serve God in light. It says, but immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints or set apart ones. There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. I don't know about you, but I've often wondered what constitutes silly talk. <laughs> Strong's refer to as, refers to it as buffoonery. I love that word. Don't know why. It's foolish talking. Vine's complete expository dictionary expounds that it comes from the word morologia, from moros, which I'm assuming has a connection to moron, meaning foolish, dull, dull, stupid, and lego. It denotes more than mere idle talk. It's the talk of fools, which is foolishness and sin together. 
Basically, it's wasted words devoid of life that do not promote the truth or light of God in our conversations. If we take stock, we live in a time of a lot of silly, foolish talk, don't we? It's the dulling of the indignation we should feel because of the eternal seriousness of immorality. And it's done with a humorous twist, the dulling. But it brings the wrath of God. Matthew Henry's concise commentary notes about this passage. Those who allow themselves either in the lust of the flesh or the love of the world belong not to the kingdom of grace, nor shall they come into the kingdom of glory. When the vilest transgressors repent and believe the gospel, they become children of obedience from whom God's wrath is turned away. Dare we make light of that which brings down the wrath of God? Sinners like men in the dark are going, they know not whither, and doing they know not what. But the grace of God wrought a mighty change in the souls of many. Walk as children of light, as having knowledge and holiness. These works of darkness are unfruitful, whatever profit they may boast, for they end in the destruction of the impenitent sinner. There are many ways of abetting or taking part in the sins of others by commendation, counsel, consent, or concealment. And if we share with others in their sins, we must expect to share in their plagues. If we do not reprove the sins of others, we have fellowship with them. I love this part. A good man will be ashamed to speak of what many wicked men are not ashamed to do. A good man will be ashamed to speak of what many wicked men are not ashamed to do. We must have not only a sight and knowledge that sin is sin and in some measure shameful, but see it as a breach of God's holy law. After the examples of prophets and apostles, we should call on those asleep and dead in sin to awake and arise that Christ may give them light. Now, I don't think this is an indictment of humor itself, of course. I believe that God has a great sense of humor, case in point. <laughs> but it's, it is an indictment on what we consider humorous or, or what we consider acceptable to say or talk about. And you all know that I, I'm constantly trying to say something funny. I don't know why I'm that way. Maybe I've been that way all my life. It was, I was a class clown in high school. Maybe it's that way of bringing attention. I don't know. But I love trying to find humor in everyday occurrences, events, or just in words and puns that uh, Greg constantly <laughs> warns me about. <laughs> humor that's self-deprecating, I find funny. But humor at someone else's expense is not. It's cruel. And if something doesn't edify, it destroys or it diminishes. If it doesn't build up, it tears down. Talk that does that, does that should be weeded out of our lives and replaced, as the scripture says here, with giving of thanks. There's plenty of room for us to do that. Our words are life and they are death. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, 
and those who love it will eat its fruit. The Bible obviously has much to say about the effects of not only what we do, but what we say. This brings me to the core of this passage this morning that I believe brings us the life of God as we seek to walk in the light and be pleasing to God. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. I love this line, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That's our walk, isn't it? If we really hunger and thirst after righteousness, if we love God and we say we love him, but are we trying to learn what is pleasing to him? This is a, a new thought for me. And then it says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it's disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful, careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The Christian walk is one of self-sacrifice, not self-indulgence. Pleasing God directly relates to our pursuit of holiness. When we pursue holiness, that pleases God. Our union with the Father through Christ is secure and unchanging. I've said before that phrase that for mathematician friends that love this, God is the constant, man is the variable. Our relationship with him is constant in Christ. It's unchanging. There's nothing I can ever do that will make him love me less or make, me, make him love me more. My relationship with him and Christ is secure. Through Christ, we are now in relationship with the Father, and nothing, as our one of the songs we sang, can snatch us out of his hand. But the way in which we conduct our lives, the choices we make every day, do affect our communion with him. Our union is secure, but our communion fluctuates, doesn't it? You've heard the old saying, if God seems far away, who's moved? Our communion with God is affected by our moving towards God in holiness or away from him in sin. Consider the fact that our pursuit of and desire for holiness brings pleasure to God. Ephesians 5 plainly tells us that the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 1, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Try this again. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. 
C.S. Lewis in his book, The Weight of Glory, said this. The promise of glory is the promise, almost incredible and only possible by the work of Christ, that some of us, that any of us who really chooses, shall find approval, shall please God. To please God, to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness, to be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in as an artist delights in his work or a father delights in his son. It seems impossible, a weight or burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain, but so it is. Every day we choose between pursuing sin or pursuing righteousness. It's one or the other. C.S. Lewis also said, one road leads home and a thousand roads lead into the wilderness. Each victory that we experience by choosing righteousness because of our desire to please God brings happiness to the Lord. Have you ever thought of it in that way that you have the capacity to make God happy, to please God, that should be such an incredible motivator to us to pursue righteousness and holiness. Two times in the Gospel of Matthew, God the Father verbally expressed his joy in the Son. Matthew 3, 16 and 17, he said, This is my Son, my beloved Son, in whom I have well pleased. In Matthew 17, 5, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The obedience and faithfulness of the son brought pleasure to the father. May we seek to be imitators of God to the pleasure of the father. R.C. Sproul once said, what higher approval could a person enjoy than to know that he or she has done what he or she has done is pleasing to God? We should take great satisfaction and motivation from that thought. So in closing, brothers and sisters, we are now in the light given to us by Christ himself, purchased with blood, sweat, scourging, piercings, and the agony of an unimaginable death resurrected in glorious splendor and unapproachable light. Let us not squander our inheritance and our calling in the squalor of selfish, fleshly pondering or pleasures, but rather commit ourselves anew and afresh to be separate, to be imitators of God, children of light, woke in a godly fashion, death risen, basking in and gazing towards the light of the risen Christ. May the Lord deliver us from our old nature and patiently, lovingly lead us home on a path that brings glory to Christ and pleasure to our Father. I want to close by reading the words from one of the songs that Bill shared with us this morning. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, 
this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I lived. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world, by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. As he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that in each of our lives you have spoken by your spirit, your word of truth. You've called us out of darkness and you've called us into your marvelous light to be children of light. Lord, may we not entertain darkness, but may we pursue righteousness. May we be separate, not haughty in our own works. But Lord, just realizing that we don't have fellowship with darkness if we're in the light. Lord, we're humbled by the thought that if our heart's desire is to have a new and clean heart with right thoughts and right desires, that it can bring pleasure to you. Lord, I imagine when we lay hold of something in scripture that we know is true and we apply it to our lives and there's fruit from it, there's got to be a smile on your lips. Lord, may that be our desire this week. May we have that image in our minds that as we pursue righteousness and holiness, as we seek to please you in the things that we do and the things that we say, that we bring pleasure to you. And as a child wants to please their father, Holy Father, we desire to please you with our lives. We're so feeble, our understanding's yet so small, and yet, God, we thank you that you lead us and guide us and direct us, and that you've given us your word to say everything you need to say to us and want to say for the rest of our lives, and you bring it to life by your Holy Spirit to reveal who Jesus is in us. And I thank you that our relationship, our union with you is secure in Christ. May our communion with you be enhanced and deepened as we seek to be the light of the world ourselves in our world, that you would be your light through us. Help us, Lord, to shine in the darkness, to call sin, sin, and to call sinners to repentance that times of refreshing may come from your presence. 
Thank you, Lord, that you're not through with us. You've committed to complete a work in each of us. May we stay the course. Here, we stand in the light of Christ. By your grace and mercy, in his name, amen. Thank Joyce, Joyce Kilmer, who wrote, who could, what could be so lovely as a tree? Who could create a tree? To think that I can live a life that be pleasing to the one who could create a tree? Or look at each one of you. He, he could create you. And I'm supposed to please him? <laughs> How would you do that? What secret magic could you ever find that would help you be pleasing to someone who could create the stars or the ground that you walk on? It's staggering to think about. And then the, the one that, if that weren't enough, Randy, the fact that he says, if you do obey me, there's rewards in heaven for you. I mean, not only that you could be pleasing to him in some far-fetched way, but that if you were live a life that would be pleasing to him, he is going to reward you not only in this life, but in the life to come. And I just think I want I want more of that, Lord. I want to understand that. How it is that you've done this for me. I remember when we First started Crossway, the Preston would ask us every day, how have you brought joy to God's heart today? And at first we thought, me, how can I ever do that? And just over the years pondering that, there's just so much richness there. Like a deep love for us. And the joy that we bring to him as a child who brings to us on a much, much more love and much deeper love. Any other thoughts? Well, I have a way you can be pleasing to go. We're going to sing about it. Page 42. There's a place where mercy reigns. There's a place where mercy reigns and never
The truth of the matter is, is that not only is God pleased when we obey him, it also pleases us, pleases him for us to turn to him when we have disobeyed him. So in our obedience to Christ, we, we bring him joy. And if in our disobedience of Christ, we would repent and come to him. He is filled with joy to receive us, even then. Lord Jesus, I think you are displeased with us when 
we refuse to come to you, when we reject your kindness and your mercy, we say, Lord, we don't need you. That's, that's, that's when your displeasure is stirred. But Lord, if we would simply obey your words, and when we disobey, repent and come back to you. And then all of you, Lord Jesus, pray that all of us would stand in awe of you, Lord. Here my hope is found, here on holy ground, here I bow, here I bow down, here arms open wide, here you save my life, here I bow down, here I bow at the cross, at the cross. May you be forever in the foremost part of our mind and our thinking and our conscious awareness. Lord, if you're, if you're great love, Lord, how can we turn away from you? Lord, of, of your gift of grace and mercy. Lord, let us see that living a life of sin is, is nothing that we are bound to anymore. By the power of God that raised us from the dead, Lord, you have set us free from that curse. And so, Lord, we trust you in every situation, in every hardship, in every trial, in every failure, Lord. We want to come back to you in repentance. Lord, every time we've managed to obey you, let us give you glory and, and thank you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, I pray for the fellowship here. And you would watch over us and you would guard us and protect us, God. That nothing could ever pluck us out of your hand. Lord, pray for those at the other shelter, those young ones. We pray, Father, that they would know that they are beloved children. And that we would know that we are beloved children to you. Thank you, Jesus.
You know, it's just something powerful. Standing up and praying and the wind starts blowing. Just try it. Just one of you stand up and start praying and the wind will blow and see what it does to your, I mean, it's just, oh, Lord, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, the pollen was so thick in the air. I was thinking, Lord, it, it'd be great if it would rain. And then all the rain went away at where we were living anyway. And, and then I thought, Lord, I don't want it to rain Sunday morning, but Sunday at five would be right to rain. <laughs> or, you know, sometime earlier. And the Lord was so good to us. I mean, just, I mean, the air's mostly clear and it's pleasant and there's no rain. Uh, I'm just amazed. <laughs> right, I'm amazed. We're both amazed. Um, well, if some of you brought your lunch, you're welcome to stay. And um, who knows when they'll finish down there. <laughs> I mean, if you've, ever, if you've ever been around Jack, he's got all sorts of illusions he can pull and teach you about trusting God. Any other comments or announcements anybody wants to share? Uh, check and see on Zoom if there's un unmute and put your. I want you to see if there's. Mike is there. Hello, Mike. He's waving. Mike is waving. Yeah, Mary says that Barry is watching, and Betty Walden is listening. All right. Well, good. So, hello, Betty. Hello, Larry. Hello. Hello, Mike. Won't you show everybody? Show everybody that's here. Is the mic is the camera on? I show them everybody else. Yeah, go wave. Go wave it soon. So any any more news from Rebecca? Who wants to play? Who's going to stay for lunch? Um, prayer meeting Wednesday night on Zoom. We'll send out a, a reminder about that. And um, any other comments or things to share? Preston, why don't you uh, into our meeting? Um, just make sure you can see yourself in that little square right there. There you go. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness uh, from the beginning of eternity when we were just thoughts with you, even into this day and into the future, farther than we can see until we see you face to face. And Lord, we are in awe of you, of your love, your faithfulness, uh, Lord, your loving kindness, and Father, your sweet fellowship that you give us by your spirit. And so we ask, Father, that you would help us to be children of light as we walk before you this week. Uh, let us be an example. Let us be drawing and pointing people to the Almighty One. We thank you for this time together. Bless our fellowship, the food we're about to partake. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.